right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Fire Builders Live. My name is Josh Corporal, and just like always, there's a plane flying overhead because we're in Key West and shit just happens. Uh, I am streaming live from the porch, surrounded by roosters, and guess who I have on the show today? Oleg Lohid, welcome to Fire Builders Live. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to our conversation. Yes, I am as well, dude. This is going to be such a good conversation. I have been fascinated by your story ever since I heard about you. Before we get into it, however, let me explain to everybody watching and listening at home what we do here on Fire Builders Live. We stream live Monday through Saturday, six days a week. We bring on these amazing guests like Oleg, and we take these big ideas, these big goals that you have, and we break them down into small steps things that you can do every single day to succeed and to progress because it is that it is that progression that small little one bite at a time approach that is really going to get you there and today is no different let me tell you a little bit about the man that you see in front of you Oleg this guy has one hell of a story <laughs> right TEDx speaker founder of overcoming odds Oleg knows firsthand what it takes to be a survivor, right? He grew up in a small, cold, and empty apartment in Russia with his older sister, an alcoholic parent. He was born into poverty. And at a very young age, he made the very brave decision to leave that world, to join an orphanage, and then to essentially survive for the next couple of years until he was then adopted by an amazing family in the United States. And everything changed at that point. However, his past, the things that he sort of felt uh, established for himself as far as an identity, those things stayed with him. And it was tough, fear of judgment, rejection, right? He had to learn the hard way how to overcome some extremely tough odds as a young kid. And the lessons in resilience that it takes to stand up and share your truth, to realize that you're not alone and that your story matters, that is what he is all about today. He not only does it for himself, he helps others do that as well. And that, my friends, is why I am so excited to have Oleg on the show. Oleg, again, so great to have you, man. Welcome to Fire Builders Live. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. And that was quite the intro. I can't say that I've experienced it. <laughs> I'm only like that before with anyone else that I've had a show with. So I appreciate you. I really do. I appreciate you for creating this space. And I appreciate Scott Mason for introducing the two of us to begin with. So a brief shout out to him and all yeah. the wonderful things that he's doing in this world. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing the space with you and anyone else that chooses to join and see what we might be able to create. Agreed, man. I uh, And I, shout out to Scott as well. He is a great guy. Scott Mason, uh, dude, if you're there and you're listening, shoot us a comment. Tell us what's up. Uh, so, Oleg, man, where do I even begin? Uh, right. So, so where, actually, I'd like to tell everybody where you are these days. What are you doing? What's a typical life day in Oleg's life? What is, what's happening these days? So right now I live in Austin, Texas. I'm actually about, what is it? Five hours from leaving and going back home to Michigan, the place that you had mentioned to spend some time with my family and some of my friends that I'm able to in whatever the setting looks like, you know, socially distant mask, whatever the 20 world world has brought to us right. right now. But yeah, I'll be going back there. But for the past four years, I've lived here and I truly do enjoy the energy that the city brings. 
Um, I thoroughly enjoy the opportunities that have been brought to me just by being here. Having lived in many different cities by now, I can confidently say that this is one of the only ones that I have found that is to be very accepting, friendly, and has just an abundance of opportunities. Now, much of that probably also boils down to what I'm looking for, right? And what I'm attracting into my life as far as people and experiences go. So maybe if I were to move somewhere else, the things that I've experienced here could be possible elsewhere. But for this time being, I'm very confident in the decision that I made in moving to Austin and just taking life head on and learning as much as I can and embracing it for what it is. Yeah, dude. Well, well, I feel like you of all people have a much better perspective on what it is that you're looking for because you've experienced so many different things in your life. But I'm curious as to what is it that you're looking for? Like, what do you look for when Oleg looks at a city and decides in his mind, like, eh, you know, like not into it or holy shit, like this is amazing. What do you look for? You know, for me right now, I look for depth. I look for depth and connections. And that is people who are looking to create spaces where one is able to go deep within an experience, within a conversation, within a topic. So that's the very first thing that comes to my mind. The second thing that I look for is opportunities. And that is, does it have, for example, when I was first deciding to move to Austin, I had created a spreadsheet of all the different cities. And I definitely think that I picked this trait from my dad. He's an engineer. And so he's exceptional at creating spreadsheets. In fact, one of the very (laughs) first times I remember I came up to him and I had created this first version or first draft of, of a spreadsheet. And I thought it was great. I mean, it made sense to me. And I think maybe that's the whole point is does it make sense to you at the end of the day and not anyone else? So I came up to him and I showed him the spreadsheet and he said, son, this needs a little bit of work. So we sat, we sat True down. engineer fashion right there. <laughs> we, we sat down and we redesigned the whole thing completely. And ever since, that's where I think my eye to design and just organization in general really flourished. And so when I started to look at different cities that I wanted to explore, I had compiled a similar sp- uh, spreadsheet and I put different cities. And in it, I put the categories that I was evaluating, quality of life, good entrepreneurial ecosystem, access to resources, cost of living, and et cetera. And I just started to fill in a spreadsheet as much as I could. I would just simply type in Google cost of living in Austin, Texas, or Sacramento, or Fort Lauderdale, wherever it was. And then I would just fill in a spreadsheet. And then after a while, it kind of gave me a baseline to make the best possible decision. Now I can see all the data. I can process it all. And I can take the next step forward. You know, what does my wallet allow me? And then I was able to cross on certain ones that it didn't allow. And then from there, I just kind of narrowed it down even more. Um, well, well, by the way, like what was number two if Austin was number one? What was it? Do you remember? Austin, Texas was number one. I want to say that the second one was Denver. Mm. <clears throat> That's Denver a and then a couple places in California were tied for third. San Diego and some of these other spots. Having been to San Diego a couple of times by now, I would, I actually feel like it's very much on the same scale as Austin, Texas, very similar vibe, very similar environment. The energy that I think people carry within it, it's also very similar, but yet different. So I think if I had a choice now, it would be, it would be hard to choose 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. And it's and it's crazy, right? Because now that I mean, because you and I both work online, and mm-hmm. you have you have this smorgasbord of places that you could live. You have to choose like what's important to you. I mean, and, and it's not just in the U.S. It can be anywhere in the world. I mean, maybe yeah. not so much 2020, but just in general, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's exciting, but at the same time, like super daunting, you need yeah. a spreadsheet half the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think there is a lot of excitement and it could also be overwhelming in just understanding that there's so many different options to choose from. And that's what I think when I think about my own story and the different things that I've experienced throughout my own life, I think that's one of the fundamental skills that I've developed in working through many of the adversities that I've faced is that I was able to put myself in a situation where I had evaluated all the different options that were available to me and then to choose. And then also remind myself that the choice that I make is the right choice all due to the mindset and how I choose to embrace it. You know, looking at everything now and what I know today, I don't know if I fully subscribe to the whole concept of a right or or a wrong choice. I think to a degree, everything has some percentage of it being right. I mean, if I knew differently, then yeah, I would have decided I would have picked a different one. But that's kind of the beauty of the journey in life in general is that you don't always know. You're always factoring, factoring in this whole concept of the unknown. So there's always going to be more to learn. There's always going to be room to grow. And with that said, it just reminds me that in my opinion, how I choose to view the world and all the options that are presented in front of me, I am making the best choice that I can every yeah. single time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like if you were to imagine um, uh, like a, one of those little dial scales, right? Mm-hmm. Where on one side it was good choice and one side that it was bad choice. I feel like the good choices are when the needle is just slightly over to the good side. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be all the way, but just as long as you're in the green, like mm-hmm. you're good. Yeah. Well, here, so here's a couple, here's a question that just came up with regards to, uh, to moving. If you knew that you were moving to a specific place and you didn't have a choice, would your spreadsheet have the same questions? It's a really good, good question. And I think for me, at least at this chapter of my life, it boils down to intention. And that is, what am I trying to experience next? What is the current chapter? What is the current theme of the life that I'm going through? Right now, the way that I would describe my current chapter, it is all focused on the story. Before that, it was overcoming. It was overcoming the obstacles. Now it's more so focusing on a specific thing. So would a spreadsheet have the same questions? Hard to say, because I don't know if I'm necessarily looking for the same exact things as I was looking previously. I think those questions would vary, but long story longer, I would probably use a form of a spreadsheet to help break down and make the best possible decision moving forward. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like damn straight, I would too. I'm a, I'm a spreadsheet guy, <laughs> like being an engineer myself, you know? I like uh, to see it all on in one place, on one sheet. It just There's something that makes sense to me when I'm able to see it like that compared to... I remember one of the first times I was asked to put together a five-page business document or business plan. And I kid you not, even to this day, I struggle with that. I struggle with it because I'm I'm a visual learner. So I prefer to see things on one sheet of paper or one canvas or whatever it is, instead of having to flip through pages and ask myself, wait, 
did X, Y, and Z appear on page two or four or five? So I'm, I like the whole concept of a spreadsheet or maps or diagrams because it just helps me. Like that, that's something that I've learned about myself is that being a visual learner and having a sense of a spreadsheet or a map or some sort of diagram, that's how I operate. That, that is the thing that works best for me in my own life. You know, you know, I was talking with, uh, um, uh, oh my God. Like I was talking with a recent guest and we were talking about, we were talking about the idea that there are, oh, maybe it was Laura yesterday. And we were talking about the idea that in these masterminds, Mm -hmm. there are people whose job it is to, to take all of the information that you are learning in this conference or in this presentation and actually draw it out in a way, just like you're talking about where it's all sort of this like visual, almost not cartoon, but like just an easy sort of infographic, visual infographic of what's going on. I thought that was fascinating. I didn't even know those people existed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now you do. And in fact, there are now two more, you and I, the Div Journal Club. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really does help um, at least get a zoomed out picture so that you can have some context when you do zoom in because you need to every once Mm -hmm. in a while. But like when you do zoom in, you have the context that you need to make a more accurate decision than trying to decide like which direction to go when you're in the middle of the forest and you don't know, you know, the big picture. And I think at the same time, as I think about even this whole concept of spreadsheets and and Stefan's here said mind maps, what I, what it makes me think of is that for me, something that I've learned over the years, it is important to know the destination that I'm heading towards or like a, a goal or an outcome but it's equally as important for me to understand that I don't have to have the whole thing figured out. Even in looking at that whole map or that whole spreadsheet, I'm choosing to remind myself that I don't have to solve this whole thing all at once. I just need to know where to start. And then from there, I need to know how to get to the next step and the step beyond that. So even though I operate from this spreadsheet or a mind map where I'm able to see the whole thing, I also have to remind myself that all these steps and everything that I'm putting in this document, it's only based on what I know today. So the next hour, the next day, I may receive new information that is going to change much of this data that I see in front of me. And so I think that's where there's an interesting dilemma that I face as far as, okay, I can see the whole thing, but also understand that I don't choose to focus on that whole thing. Because for me, it's more so about how do I identify the step ahead of me? Just one step. That's all it takes. And then the step beyond that and the step beyond that. And yeah. Like trying to accomplish it all at once. Cause I oh, used man. to try to do that. I dig it. Of course. Like, uh, and that speaks to, uh, a, like a confidence that you have in your decision-making capabilities, you know, in your, in the fact that you're resourceful enough to just say, look, I don't need to know exactly what the path is from point A to B. Like, I'll figure it out along the way. Um, And that's a confidence. Well, so tell me, is that something you feel like you learned from a young age? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of like, I kind of like alluded to the fact of where you came from, but your story, the stuff that you experienced when you were younger is so unbelievable. And to a lot of people that are listening, they've never experienced anything like that. Mm -hmm. So can you just touch on what it was like? For me, as I think about, your question, I'll definitely say that yes, much of my skill set did come from my early childhood and the trauma and all the adversity that I had faced. In fact, one of the biggest reasons when I 
when I started overcoming odds, what I wanted to do was I wanted to a redefine what it actually means to overcome. And so for those that are listening, you know, I like to approach things from kind of like a definition point of view. And that is when I was looking at many of these platforms and I was engaged with many of the courses that focused on different ways to help an individual overcome childhood trauma, anxiety, depression, stress, whatever it may be, I had realized that much of the focus, at least through my lens, was on eliminating. Like that's what overcoming meant, was eliminating the anxiety, eliminating the depression, eliminating the stress, eliminating the trauma. And then as I started to tune into it even more, I had realized that overcoming for me, it's not about eliminating. It's about developing a different relationship with the concept. Because let's face it, even in the concept of adversity, something that I've experienced from a very young age and will continue to experience every single moment, I've realized that adversity is inevitable. It's going to happen each and every single step of the way for the rest of this human experience. And so in that moment, I realized that the journey for me does, is not necessarily about eliminating adversity, but it's about developing a different relationship with it. So that way I can step into it and learn from it rather than look at it through the lens of this is something that is meant to hinder me. And that is what changed for me. And that's the concept that I started to develop and really focus on is when I started to look at that childhood adversity or childhood trauma, I had realized that there was so much that I went through and there's so much that I can learn from it. And so approaching it through the lens of what did it teach me or what did it help me see that I haven't seen before really changed my mind. I mean, it changed my perspective completely. And so when I think about this whole concept of story and something, as I mentioned to you earlier, this whole theme that I'm focusing on now at this chapter of my life, the very first thing that I believe in is not trying to create the whole story all at once. You know, when I think about the childhood trauma, it's not about reframing the entire childhood trauma at once. Rather, it's about picking one specific experience or picking one specific person and then asking myself the question of, what would I like to see differently? When I think about my relationship with my birth mom, for example, probably two or three years ago, I started to really invest the time and the energy into going into that relationship and trying to identify A, who was she to me? And B, what did I learn from her? So, and by the way, you were, you, did you keep in touch with her this entire time? Like you knew where to find her or did you have to? I find had to her? find her. So when I was living in Russia, the first nine years when I was kind of bouncing between the homes, wherever she lived and then wherever my sister was at the time, I, I had to find her. I had to go out there and then I went out there probably nine times out of 10 and came out short. I just, there was, she was nowhere to be found. I would ask all these different people along the way. I'd go to all these other places she used to be at and ask Did them you, where she was. And you physically went over there yeah. or was this all? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was just this little kid, like literally just strolling around the city yeah. <laughs> and trying, yeah. trying to find his mom. But you know what, for me, what changed was a couple of years ago when I started to look at even her and my relationship with her, the society <clears throat> had painted this picture of who she was. And that was, she was an alcoholic, irresponsible, not capable of taking care of me. And I started to realize that someone else's opinion did not have to become my own reality, that I can look at her through a different lens. 
And so that's where I think this question of what would I like to see differently really originated from. Because I started to look at her as a, a human being that truly did the best that she could. And I have realized that even through that small act of looking at her through a different lens, my relationship and my story with her started to change completely. You know, and that's where I think I was able to actually identify and learn one of these core skills about who I am as a person today. And that's the ability to be driven, the ability to step into that adverse circumstance and know that there is always a way as long as there is a will. And that's what I think I've learned from those early years when I went out there and looked for her and came up short nine times out of 10. The message I repeated to myself internally back then is the same exact message I repeat to myself every single day today. And that is if I just talk to one more person, if I just ask one more question, I may get that much closer to a yes or to whatever the outcome that I aspire for. So long story longer, as I answer your question, yes, my childhood years have provided me with some of the greatest and fundamental lessons and skills that I possess today. But that journey started with me wanting to a learn and reframe that childhood adversity into an opportunity to learn into an opportunity to look at it through a different lens. And that's where I started to develop all of these concepts and started to understand that maybe I did have this all along. Maybe I was confident all along the way. Maybe I did have the drive. Maybe I was persistent. Maybe I did admire people who either didn't have what I did or had, or had more of what I did. You know, one of the things that I've realized right now is I connect deeply with not only people who appear to have less, but I just connect deeply with everyone. And I don't know what it is. I think part of that probably has to do something from my childhood years where I just saw people for people and not for the labels that we choose to identify each other as. And there's something beautiful within that. There's something beautiful within that journey of stepping into that space and just being able to have a conversation regardless of whether the per- person is homeless or not. To me, it doesn't even matter because that's not what I'm choosing to connect around anyway. I'm choosing yeah. to correct around who are they as a person? How do they view life? Were you able to, to just going back, looping back real quick to your uh-huh. mom, like were you able to actually find her and talk with her? And if so, did you have you validated a lot of the things that, that maybe you would have held disdain for otherwise? No, I was not. After I was adopted, in fact, a year after I was adopted, she passed away in a fire. Oh, Uh, man, I did not know that. She passed away in an apartment fire. And, you know, ironically enough, as I look back at my whole journey and everything that I've been able to save and document, I have boxes upon boxes of all the letters that my adopted parents and I exchanged, all these pictures and photographs that I took while I was at the orphanage. I only have one picture of my mom, my birth mom. And that's where I begin to really embrace this whole concept that everything does happen for a reason, as long as I choose to give it a reason. There is a reason why I only have one image saved of her. And that image, in a way, speaks a thousand words. (laughs) It's an image that I captured while I was living at the orphanage. And she had come to visit me, I think it was two or three weeks prior to my adoption. She brought in a carton of orange juice, chocolate, 
And that image that I captured was her sitting at a table in the, in the room that I lived for the three years while I was at the orphanage. And in the background, you can see the bed that I used to sleep on. And right in front of her was a table on top of which you're able to see one of those phonetic alphabets. You know, where you pick up and it says A, apple, yep. B, banana, something that my parents, my adopted parents had sent to me. And so as I look at that whole picture, I really see the past, the present, and the future every single time I look into it. And that is a great reminder for me to look at something like that and help myself understand that those were the circumstances that I had to deal with. Those were the cards that I was dealt at the very beginning of my life. But the beauty of that is I no longer have to live the same exact hand. I can go back to that. I believe it's an ultimate deck or unlimited deck that's always available to me. I can go back there and I can reshuffle and I can pick new cards. Yeah. And reframe many of these experiences. Exactly. I mean, especially the idea, just like you said, I mean, choosing, choosing not just to accept the story that, that people had or that you were told by your mom, but actually like going and finding out for yourself, you know, and, and looking at that from a different frame. I think that's, that's incredible. I know that other people too, like Lyndon, for instance, right. It's a very brave thing to do, especially at such a young age. And, and we, you and I spoke earlier, like, and I thought it was just so interesting whether or not you, you understood the gravity of what you were doing back then, or, Mm -hmm. or it just, or it was something that you just felt like you knew had, you had to do, but you didn't understand. And I'm sure maybe you didn't like the over the overwhelming implications of your actions at that point in time. It was just something that you needed to do. Yeah. You needed, it was like almost a survival mechanism almost. I definitely think it was. Yeah. I think it was harder for me to comprehend the severity of the situation, especially at nine years old. I think there was definitely a component of intuition that helped me make that best possible decision. But I will say that even when I made that decision to even go into an orphanage and give up my parents' rights, I don't think I fully understood the concept that, okay, I'm not going to be able to see them as frequently as I wanted to. I'm going to have to ask for permission from someone else to go see my own family nowadays. And that is something that didn't sit well with me for the first week or maybe even first month. In fact, I ran away, I think it was two times. In the From first the orphanage. Yeah. yeah. I just jumped the fence and then ran straight to my mom, to my sister. And I remember, I don't remember vividly the conversation I was having with my mom, but it was something along the lines of, hey, take me back. And I realized in one of those moments that there was nothing she could do anymore. That my decision was something that I had to live with and I had to face. In fact, one of the things prior to even going to the orphanage, my mom used to say to me was that son, I'll change. <laughs> I'll change tomorrow. You know, she would give up drinking and change the lifestyle and we would all be under one roof again. And I realized that for so many years, she continued to repeat the same exact story, same exact message, but there was no change that followed. And so I think in that moment when I did run away and was able to go to her and have a conversation with her about what I was experiencing and whether or not she could take me back, just due to the way that she had responded, I probably had realized that there was nothing she could do anymore. Yeah. That well, was on my and own. And I'll tell you, and I, I would imagine that you maybe you've thought about this too. Like if you could go back, the things that you are that you were talking about today, like not having your past define you and being able to change, man, I would imagine that 
some part of you would have wanted to tell that to her, right? Yeah. Like, because it's the same stuff that would seem to hold her back. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't. And here's why. Through my experience thus far, I've realized that I don't believe it's possible to change other people unless people are wanting to, wanting to change themselves. I tried that. I played that game for quite a few years by now where I try to change so many people. I would read a phenomenal book and I would immediately recommend it to them and say, hey, you have to read this. No, like drop everything you're doing and go read this book. And I realized that unless that desire came from internally, that that opportunity to change, it's not really going to happen. So I think even in that case, <laughs> if I was able to go back and pass on some of these things that I've learned throughout my journey thus far, I don't know if it would make much of a difference, to be honest with you. Yeah, maybe because without would... the expectation that she would actually change. Yeah, and that's one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with in my own life is not have expectations for people that are closest to me. You know, how do you, especially in your case as well, and anyone else that's listening, knowing what you know today, how do you communicate that to someone else while also respecting the fact that they may not act upon a single thing that you're telling them? And not taking that personally and, and realizing that, A, the relationship with that person may change due to my own expectation. You know, if I expect them to change the way that I changed do, with all these resources and they're not doing it, it changes my relationship with them. That's, I think, one of the hardest things about being in accountability groups Yeah, is that it actually changes your relationship. You start off as friends, you know, you pat each other on the back when you, when you achieve X, Y, and Z, and then you get into a, what I perceive a more serious engagement, and that is either a daily, a weekly, a monthly commitment, A, starting to yourself, and then B, starting to the other person. And when you, when you don't deliver on your promise, it changes your relationship. It almost puts a fork in that friendship. And so I've realized the same exact thing about people who are close to me. I can't change people. Um, in fact, that whole concept, I, I was reading this recently where a friend of mine had written this thing. She said, would you be satisfied if you were able to change only one person's life? I choose to look at that concept through a different lens. And that is that one person's life, not looking as some other life, but would you be satisfied if you were able to change one life, dot, 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 your life, not anyone else's, but your life, would that be enough? And that's where I think this light bulb moment really came to me. And it helped me realize that I can't change other people. People have to be able to change themselves first and embrace change and embrace all the things that are going to experience in their lives. So by choosing to always focus on myself, and just live out this story as best as I could. That's the only thing I could change. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and with the, you know, with the, with the thought, the hope that people watch what you're doing and want to emulate you, you know, want to, want to say, look, Oleg's been through so much stuff, right? I can do this too. It is possible yeah. for me, possible for him. And it's possible for me too. And I think, I think all great leaders think that way. I mean, they have to lead by example. You're right. Like you can't 
force people. I mean, you can technically, but it's yeah. not going to stay. Like we're not, we're not on like an 18th century ship or anything like that where, <laughs> where you like get pushed over the side, but like, uh, but no, you, you, you can't change them. And I heard an amazing quote the other day too, along those lines, like, mm-hmm. you know, be attached to nothing, but open to everything mm-hmm. in a sense of, uh, like don't judge, right. Be open to a lot of different stuff, but at the same time, don't be attached to any particular outcome that may arise by pursuing one thing or another. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, and I think, I think, you know, throughout all of your traveling, I can certainly relate through my traveling. Like you learn that as a human being and that's what, that's what makes people, that's what makes people kind of courageous and confident and live amazing lives. That sort of feeling within themselves. Yeah. A friend of mine actually said something similar recently. She said, her name is Lachelle Atkins. She said, don't be married to the outcomes. And I just found that to be such a profound statement because instead of, for me, what I'm choosing to do right now is instead of looking at a particular outcome or a result or a goal that I'd like to experience and letting that thing define the rest of my journey, I'm more interested in the person that I become along the process. That's it, period. For me, I truly believe that the journey is the destination, not the other way around. It's not about going through the journey to hit some destination. It's the other way around. And so it's a beautiful reminder for me as I look at this. And here's why. Because every single day I can choose to tell myself that I'm already successful, that I already have enough. And that in a way I can redefine this whole concept that I'll be happy when I reach X, Y, and Z. Why can't I be happy today? Even with the work that we're doing today, I ch- actually asked one of um, one of the guests, her name is Nancy John, when we were having a podcast on our show, and we were talking about this whole concept of, do you worry about being forgotten and what does your lo- work look like? And I had asked her the question, I said, if this was truly your last day on this planet, and this was your last moment, your last conversation, would you feel like you have reached your goal? And the reason why I asked her that is because I think far too often I was striving for some other outcome. You know, I was telling myself internally that, man, when the show gets big or when I host Barack Obama or Jamie Foxx on the the podcast, then I'm going to be successful. Then I'm going to be impacting lives. When the reality of the matter is this is already a platform. In fact, I'll even take it a step beyond that. Every opportunity that you get to engage with another person is a platform, is an opportunity to to impact. No matter what the setting is, a grocery store, holding a door for someone, walking your dog and seeing someone else do a similar thing. There's so many different opportunities. And that was one thing that I used to forget. And now I'm fortunate to be able to remind myself that as a public speaker, this whole concept of a stage, it's not only the physical stage. Your stage is every opportunity, every space, that is shared with one other living being. That is a stage. That is a platform. And that's what I'm choosing to do at this point in my life. Yeah. No, I, I love it, man. I uh, I 100% agree. It's those small moments that make more of a difference than you being up on. Of course, it would be nice to be up on stage with 100,000 people and throwing your message. But it's it's the times where you don't feel like you have the attention except maybe one or two persons like immediate focused attention that you can do something great and have more significance than 
any stage speech that you give. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually glad that you touched on this because the mm-hmm. first question that I like to ask people, because there are people out there now that are thinking to themselves, yeah, they're saying to themselves, hell yeah, like Oleg is right. It is the whole world's a stage. I have, I have, I can do something every single day to remind myself that it is the journey and not necessarily the destination. What would you suggest as the first thing, you, you know, that they should do? How would they go about it? Well, that's a great question and it's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot to explore, but let, let's if we were to solely focus on this whole concept of a story and narrative and reframing certain adversities into opportunities, so to speak, one thing that I would suggest to people is instead of trying to change your whole story all at once, whatever it is, abusive relationship, childhood trauma, time that you might have been fired from a job, time that you failed a class, pick one experience of it. Pick one experience and then ask yourself, A, what would I like to see differently about it? So acknowledge how, how is it currently presented to you and whose thoughts are those? For me, when I started to look at my birth mom, many of those thoughts and many of those perspectives and opinions were just a society. It was the societal norm of how one should view someone who drinks, an alcoholic, irresponsible, not capable. But then I started to realize that those do not have to be my opinions. Those do not have to be my truths. I can choose differently. So choosing to dissect the whole story and then just picking one experience and then asking myself, what would I like to see differently? Now, for me, what also works, and this is maybe something that I've done every single day, and over the course of 30 or however many days, I've been able to see results that come from it. And that is, I started to dive into the learning. I started to ask myself the question of, okay, here's an experience, and what did I learn from it? What did it help me see differently? And I kid you not. That throughout the 30 days or after the 30 days, my perspective shifted completely. I started to look at all of these experiences and events that have happened in my life as learning opportunities. Because really, to me, that's what they are. If I don't choose to associate a particular event or experience with my own meaning, it's just a thought. It's just an event. Yeah, I mean... If, or, or you're going to be impressed upon by societal's meaning of it, you know, like if you don't form your own idea of what's important about a specific thing that has happened to you, then most of the time there's a void there and it'll get filled by someone else's opinion of what it should be. And down the road, my experience has taught me when I've experienced similar things, it, it created almost like an unnecessary level, level of discomfort. You know, when I had all of these opinions from other people about how life should be and what I should be doing, I experienced discomfort because that's not what I wanted to do. That's not who I wanted to be. And so there, it's kind of like the concept of cutting the tail, you know, while you can, instead of like letting it develop into something else where you, it's going to be very difficult to articulate what is the origin of this thing that I've built. And looking at that whole thing and just really understanding that, the more that I subscribe to other people's perspectives and opinions of what I should be or what I needed to be in the world, the less opportunities I was creating for myself to really explore, well, what actually drives me? What do I believe at the end of the day? What is the story that I'm living? How yeah. am I looking at my past? What am I, what am I learning from my past? 
Dude, 100%. Like, uh, they're, I, I wish, I wish that more people thought like that, uh, because it's so easy now. It's so easy to, to do the exact opposite of that, right? To yeah. just to scroll through Facebook. Like, you don't even have to think anymore. Now you just, you're just pumped directly into your brain cells, like exactly what to think and what to feel. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Right. And, uh, and taking the time to establish for yourself what that is to look inside yourself. And when you say mm-hmm. that you had some profound changes happen to you, if you did it consistently, I'm curious, like, what were those in your mind? Like, how did you feel? Uh, and if somebody tried this in, in your experience, like, what do you feel like they would experience? Well, so first things first, you know, I'm not going to answer for anyone else's experience because what they experience is what they experience. And that's one of the things that I actually share quite often is in regard to, especially my childhood adversity. Oftentimes I, I find when people reach out to me and there's, there's actually like a hesitation for them to even speak to me because I have overcome so much throughout my life. And I choose to remind them that in that moment, that my trauma is my trauma, just like your trauma is your trauma. So me choosing to share my adversity is not meant to diminish any of your adversity in life because the things that you went through are completely unique to who you are. And so for me, when I started to reframe and look at this whole concept of a story or some of these individual experiences through a different lens, I began to realize a shift. This is where I think language wouldn't even do it justice. I began to realize a shift within my own body. And consciously, I was experiencing this whole other world. Like I was seeing experiences not for what they were, but what for I aspired them to be. And I think there's, once again, almost at a loss of words here, trying to explain like what actually, yeah. <laughs> what no, actually no, happens. But I feel like if you experienced it, you understand what I'm talking about it. And there's power in, in understanding like, not just knowing what things are, but what they mean, yeah. specifically what they mean for you, like personally. Uh, and so I agree, like the experience is different for everybody. And, and, but what you, I feel like you can do is you'll, like you said, you'll start to see the world in another way. I mean, you can, you'll start to, I guess you'll start to stop asking, like, how long is this going to take or, yeah. or what is going to be, but instead like, saying to yourself, how far can I take this? Right. How much, how much can I, you know, how much can I improve? How much can I grow? And I think that is not only a mentality that has you focus on the journey instead of the destination, but it's also a solutions oriented mentality. It's something where you're just, you're constantly figuring out what's the little next step that I can do instead of focusing on the problem so much and thus some inevitable solution that's far away off in the distance. Yeah. Cause there's something beautiful about even the whole attraction component. When I chose to focus more on the problem in myself or whatever the problem was experiencing, I actually had found that I was manifesting the problem even more. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what was it? Uh, Tim Ferriss, at least that's where I heard it the first time where they're like, where he said, worrying, worrying is like praying for the things that you don't want. Yeah, literally. No, it really is. It's attracting those things into my life. Because just like anything else, I mean, I'm a huge believer in energy. I believe that wherever I choose to put my energy intentionally, and that's the thing that's going to manifest in one way or another. 
the final outcome, the shape, the form is different from the perceived reality. And maybe that's the way it's meant to be. But one other thing that you mentioned, I find interesting is that when you had mentioned the whole concept that you wish there were more people that thought the way that we are able to think and everyone else that choosing to tune in right now. So to me, I look at that through the lens of, you know, kind of like yes and no. And yes, as far as there would be more people like us who are able to help, who are able to think in a similar lens, therefore possibly even help us expand even more in how you and I think and anyone else that chooses to tune in. But I'll also make the, you know, just devil's advocate. And that is if we didn't have people who don't think like us, we would not be able to see the other side of it. So it's kind of like being able to distinguish, not necessarily the good, the good from bad, but similar but concept, just, you know, like seeing have a perspective opposite of how yeah. someone else is thinking, therefore giving me a perspective of how I'm thinking. And that's where I think, in my opinion, the whole concept of meaning comes along. Because if everyone was experiencing the same exact thing, how would you be able to articulate the meaning? I think part of the meaning comes from being able to recognize the difference. I agree. Yeah, I, uh, that is so true. Like, uh, like you can't, I mean, you can't have ups without downs. You can't associate a positive meaning for you personally without knowing what a negative meaning yeah. is. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, man, I, I totally agree with that. I, uh, um, and I also want to put up Lennon says what you focus on expands. That is also incredibly true. And I'll put this up cause I wanted to save this for the last, right. The world needs a lot more brave people, people who choose to learn from, as you said, adversity, brave, one of my definitions of a self-hero. Mm. Um, learning from that adversity, dude, honestly, like it's just been, this has been such a great conversation. One of mm-hmm. my favorites thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll tell you, man, I'm sure that people will want to continue the conversation with you and find you and stalk you in the nicest way possible. <laughs> right? So how, how do people find you, connect with you? What do you got going on these days? So before I answer that, Josh, I would actually like to ask you a question. Okay, let's do it. And that question I would like to ask is about your own personal journey. Which element of your story would you like to see differently? Whether it's a relationship that didn't work out, friendship. I think, yeah, I, to be honest, personally, I think my relationships, family and like just personal relationships uh, have suffered because of my insane obsession for, for like creating the things that I thought the world needed. Mm. So if I looked back and, and regretted everything or not regret, well, regret in like a small way, but like, but if I could rewrite that portion of my story, right that's what it would be. And if I look at it from a lens, just like you were saying of, well, like what the hell did I learn from this? So the, the suffering and the adversity from a personal side, what did I learn from it? I learned that it's, it's very easy to hurt people that you love. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's stuff that like you that lasts forever, you know? So that has taught me, that has given me the perspective of, uh, of understanding that lesson. Whereas had I not done that, I probably would have never learned it. What can you do differently moving forward? Uh, not work so damn hard, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, like 
I've learned that Do you I think it's really work or is it like lack of prioritization? Because that, do you think yeah. that there's a story? Cause I found myself in similar situations sometimes, you know, I wouldn't call my parents or whoever else because I thought that I didn't have enough time. Then I just started to realize that I made time for all these other things. So it just wasn't, I didn't just didn't prioritize. And a friend of mine had recently said that whatever you don't, prioritize you don't end up doing therefore you don't end up valuing the same exact way do you think that's part of that i think it does i mean it really does it leads to the things that i find valuable um you know it's it's indicative of that kind of thing whereas um you know a lot of the years like in my 30s and stuff it was all about supporting myself financially Mm. you know like going off and balancing balancing making money with with trying to trying to create something new and something fulfilling in the world right Mm -hmm. and that's what i prioritized and uh and yeah like half the time like sometimes it was crazy like i was just talking about this the other day like um sometimes it's just stressful like you would see there's an enormous amount of stress in everything that you do but sometimes i would just associate relationships with stress because I didn't, I didn't ever feel like we were on the same page, you know, with with that kind of thing. And, uh, and so that was, that was a difficult thing, but, uh, but you're right about the prioritization. It really is like, it, it shows what you value. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So going back to your question, how can people connect? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the best the best way that I would say people can connect with me personally would either be through Facebook as people are tuning in or LinkedIn. Those are probably the two most active platforms that I spend majority of my time. Beyond that, when it comes to the organization and the work that we do through Overcoming Odds, simply overcomingodds.today and you'll be able to find different podcasts, opportunities for you to share your own story and the different things that you went through this far events and one other thing that we host is every saturday we host a call called courageous conversations scott mason is actually one of those people that's been a part of it for quite some time but for anyone that's interested in that just send me a message directly Uh, i don't market that space because for me it's a very unique type of space where people are able to come together and connect around the topic that's relevant in their lives and then shift our own perspectives by listening to someone else's I, man, I love it. I think that everybody listening should check that out and at least try um, mm-hmm. to have that conversation just to see what bubbles up to the surface, especially, dude, especially coming from you because you have such such an incredible, very diverse and very extreme perspective mm-hmm. on a lot of, of what life can throw at you and what it takes to overcome things. That's why, man, I was just so happy to have you on the show and have this, you know, have the opportunity. Very grateful to have this conversation. So thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. Thank you for creating this space. And thank you to everyone else who chose to contribute and help create this space with all of us. I agree, man. Thank you to everybody. I hope that you got a lot out of this as much as as I did. And just to remind everybody that we stream live a lot. Come and join us for another episode. Oleg, is there anything that you want to leave people with? Just a quick tidbit of info, something just just to seal the deal? The thing that comes to mind is Gandhi's quote, 
be the change. Don't wait for the change to happen to you. Be the change. So whatever it is that you would like to see differently in the world, I believe instead of waiting for it to happen to me, I'm choosing to lean in, lean into it and change it. I'm a huge believer that nothing in life is a coincidence. I think, in fact, what it is, it's it's life happening for you. And so I that's just something that I will remind people of. Just be the change. Whatever the change you aspire for, whatever the change you want to see in this world, instead of waiting for it to somehow appear in your life, do it. You know exactly what you have to do. And that's, I think, that another beautiful thing that maybe we can touch upon in some other episode is I'm a huge believer that we know exactly what we have to do. I mean, really think about it. Yeah. Whatever the problem you have right now, whatever it is that you're experiencing, you know exactly the step that you can take to change the course. There might be discomfort or whatever else that's involved with it, but you know the step. And that's, I think, to me, is kind of a crazy thing to think about. Like, so often I used to look throughout my own life and question and not know what I had to take. But in, re- in reality, the more I be in tune, I became with who I was internally. That step just appeared. Like, you know, exactly that the difficult conversation you have to have with yourself, you know, exactly how you have to show up for yourself and your parents, you know, exactly what to do to change that relationship. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. Even if, even if you're not exactly sure if that step is going to work, you know, that you, you know, that you have to do something different. Right. And it's just, it's just a question of doing it. Yeah. And sometimes that's enough. That is enough to put you into action. Yep. Yeah. Dude, I love it. This has been such a powerful conversation. People agree, right? Uh, Seriously, thank you so much. Totally enjoyed this hour. I see most of what you're saying deep but enlightening. Um, Seriously, man, this has been so good. So thanks again for joining us. Uh, This has been amazing. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, this is Josh Oleg and Elvis signing off for another episode of Fire Builders Live. Oleg, by the way, I didn't even mention Elvis because he was pretty <laughs> quiet today, but Elvis is the rooster that roams around here. I was wondering, like, doesn't, who just joins in the conversation, you know? Yeah. Doesn't even, unwelcomed, unwelcomed oh, guest who just shows up, flies <laughs> up onto the porch. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so we are guys are, we're signing off. If you liked this and you want to check out more, we stream six days a week, Monday through Saturday. If you want to support the show, get some cool gifts, see behind the scenes stuff, go to firebuilderslive.com. Honestly, this has been such a great conversation. Thanks again, Oleg. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next episode. Adios.